You're listening to the Wilkes-Barre Scranton Penguins podcast, the very best place to break the ice with your favorite players. Now, here's your host, captain of his high school Quidditch team, Nick Hart. Well, that's just not true, but nevertheless, howdy, y'all. That's right, another edition of the Wilkesbury Scranton Penguins podcast coming to you from Texas, the Lone Star State. Yes, a special road edition of the podcast. Always wanted to do one of these. We haven't done a podcast from the road in quite some time, but we're making it happen right here, right now. And so my guest on this episode of the Penguins podcast is none other than Penguins rookie forward Jordy Bellreeve, who appears to be enjoying his trip through Texas so far on the ice. But Jordy, I'm not even going to ask you about hockey. How have you enjoyed your stay in Texas so far? Yeah, it's been awesome. Uh, you know, we went out for dinner there the first night in, in Austin. And, you know, it's a, it's, it's a beautiful spot. It's a lot of fun. It's been great. Have you been able to enjoy any Texas barbecue? That no. is what everybody says. You didn't get to no, jump in on I any Texas actually. barbecue. No, I did not. Are you devastated by that? I'm a little bit upset about it, actually. <laughs> yeah, couldn't squeak it in. What would be the go-to order? Do you have a, a go-to? Like, if you go to a, a barbecue spot, is there something you absolutely have to get? I love ribs. Ribs. So, I mean, you're a rib ribs guy. Ribs are good. good yeah, see, like, for sure. I'm a brisket guy, and so I obviously have capitalized right. here in Texas. Uh, a couple different spots: one in Austin, a couple in San Antonio. Have to get the brisket, and if they do a good brisket at a barbecue spot, I'm basically, I basically grow angels' wings and just float yeah. on the cloud of yeah. brisket for a while. But you're a ribs guy. Mm-hmm. It's I am. Ribs, mm, I I vacillate. I go back and forth. Yeah, they're very good. If Can't you do go them wrong. right, if you do them right, exactly, they're they're divine. But I've seen ribs done wrong. Yeah, and that is that has burned me. Yeah, that's her. Uh, it hurts when they're done wrong. They're definitely not the best choice. But you know, <laughs> I've had some. I know some pretty good fortune with ribs, so I'm a big fan. Oh, there you go. Well, may- maybe later on in this trip, maybe get some uh, some Carolina barbecue too, yeah. a little bit of a different style, but jump in some ribs down there. Uh, Jordy, thanks so much for, for joining me here now that you've uh, indulged my little Texas diluge there. But seriously, thanks for coming on and joining me here. I know we're, we're on the road. You're busy doing other stuff. I'm sure you want to catch up with the boys, maybe get some meals or things like that. But seriously, thanks so much for coming on. Yeah, anytime. Anytime? Am I allowed to follow up on that? Yeah, I mean, yeah, I'd say so, yeah. <laughs> Jordy Bellreeve might be the first ever back-to-back-to-back-to-back guest on the <laughs> Penguins podcast because he said anytime he's willing to come on. I won't do that to you. Just th- <laughs> Thanks for doing this right now, Jordy. No yeah, uh, you're a guy who's uh, picked up the pace a little bit here for the Wilkes-Barre Scranton Penguins here in the middle of this, uh, this Texas trip. Uh, you've been scoring some real clutch goals for this team. Have you always had the clutch gene? Where does this come from, buddy? Because it seems like all season long you're coming up with these huge goals. Yeah, I mean, I think it's just uh, probably a good timing thing. I mean, I, I wouldn't say it's uh, – I don't know. I mean, I don't know if I've had that my whole life, but I've definitely been a guy who likes to, you know, try and step up in big opportunities. You know, I like I like the challenge and I like the opportunities and, you know, things have been going well on this road trip, so hopefully I'll you know, keep doing that. So you grew up in North Vancouver, B.C., so were you a, a Canucks guy growing up? Yeah, I was a big Canucks guy and, and a big Penguins guy, actually, too. Okay, so maybe where I'm going with this, you might be able to, to work with me a little bit here, but what I was going to ask you is who was, like, the clutch guy, like the go-to guy in a clutch situation for Vancouver when you were watching games growing up? Like, that's going to be the guy that scores us the big goal. Do you remember? 
Marcus Naslin was the big guy for he was, me. Yeah, so he was obviously their like top line guy, banner retired number type player for the Vancouver Canucks. But he always would like step up like that in a five minutes left in the third period or overtime or something like that. Yeah, he was awesome. And then, of course, the Sedin twins were unbelievable to watch. Yeah, and I grew up going to a lot of games there. My dad had season tickets, and you know he'd sell them off, and we go to about ten games a year. So that was very cool. I got to see a lot of special players play. Some really good players have come through that barn. Where I was actually headed during my train of thought is when I think of, like, the guy who was clutch for the Pittsburgh Penguins growing up watching them. Obviously, you have Sidney Crosby. He was great. You know, you have Golden Goal in the Olympics, stuff like that. And Sid's always going to step up in a big game. Evgeny Malkin, similarly. He's a Conn Smythe winner. Shows up in the playoffs. Blah, blah, blah. Mm -hmm. But when I think of the clutch guy, Max Talbot is the guy that I think of. Mad Max, because he always scored those goals to force overtime late in the minute of a game or something like that, playoff games. He had the two goals in Game yeah, 7 to win the say, Cup yeah. in Detroit. Like, Mad Max was the clutch guy. And I feel like you have a little bit of Mad Max in you, too, just t tenacious on the puck kind of guy like that. And, hey, we can throw Jordy Bellreve over the boards in a late-game situation, and he's going to step up. Are you willing to accept that? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> no, yeah, I definitely agree with you. I remember that, you know, the game where we had the two goals there. I'll remember that forever. Um, you know, I've always liked his game as well. Like you said, a little tenacious guy, you know, kind of flew under the radar a little bit, obviously with all the stardom that's come through Pittsburgh. But, yeah, he's a great player for sure. And a Wilkes-Barre Scranton product as yeah, well. You absolutely. say you, Yeah, you say you remember that game. You remember, like, sitting on the couch watching Game 7, Pittsburgh, Detroit Red Wings, mm -hmm. 2009. Yeah, I do remember that. I imagine you also have memories of, what, two years later, 2011, Boston, Vancouver Canucks, game 7-2. Yeah, I remember that very clearly. I was at the game. You were at the game? No, no, no. Oh, oh sorry. It's Boston, <laughs> but I was at the game where Burroughs scored the overtime winner against, I think it was San Jose. He had a little rolling puck slap shot off the wing. I remember that one. And then, of course, all the stuff in Vancouver. And I think the biggest thing that sticks out to me is the riot that went on after that. That was something pretty crazy. We've actually talked about that on the podcast before. I'm trying to think off the top of my head who it was that was actually, like, in Vancouver. They weren't from Vancouver, but in Vancouver when the riots happened, and, like, his mom kept calling him to make sure he was okay. He was <laughs> like, no, like, I'm not in the heart of downtown yeah. right now. I'm fine. But, yeah, that's uh, two totally different sides of the spectrum when it comes to Game 7 memories mm -hmm. between you said you always enjoyed watching the Pittsburgh Penguins. They beat Detroit in 09, and then oh, the, the heartbreak, and then you said the riots, the madness mm -hmm. in, in Vancouver after the fact of losing to Boston in Game 7. Yeah, you know, those are some great games. I think the biggest games that stick out to me were always the Winter Classic, the baby blue jerseys with the Penguins. Oh, that okay, a, yeah. That was a big one. Me and my buddy were big fans. And I just remember, you know, bunking up on the couch watching that game with him. So there's that one. And then uh, and there's another clutch delivery by Sid in yeah, that game too. Yeah, absolutely. And then I think the biggest game that I've ever watched, I actually watched it live, was the gold medal game in Vancouver where mm -hmm. Sid scored over a 10 winner. I was about uh, – I'd say 10 or 15 rows up just from right where he shot the puck for the game winner there. So that was a pretty special feeling. That's incredible. Yeah, very That's lucky. Really cool. Very fortunate to be there for that one. I, how many? So how much does that building hold? I honestly, I couldn't tell you. But I'm going to say like, we'll say guesstimate here, like 2,000. Or not 2,000, 20,000 yeah, yeah. people. 20,000 people fit in that building. I'm going to look it up real quick here. How does it feel to know that you were one of – 20,000 people. Now, obviously, all the country was watching at home, but mm -hmm. to be among just 20,000 people that were actually there to see it with your own eyes, that's got to be just 
not only a bananas feeling when you're actually there, but now to look back on it, that's pretty cool. Yeah, that was an unbelievable game. I remember when they tied it up there. Everyone was going crazy. That was like a, with a minute left, too? Yeah, was it? I think it was Zach Parise. It was Parise, yeah. He tied it up. Uh, Fishing around the front of the yeah, net. Yeah, exactly. Banged one in, and then I just, uh, the emotions in the building died. So it was, it was a pretty <laughs> crazy feeling. And then, yeah, I remember exactly what happened you know, with the Gina, and then Crosby obviously finishing it. And, you know, I was there with my brother and my dad. That was a pretty special moment for all of us. And I think, uh, yeah, that's definitely one of the biggest memories. How many rows up did you say again? Oh, it's, I honestly think around like 10 or 15 rows up. So 10 or 15 rows up. Do you think if we looked up any pictures, have you like looked before to see if you're in you any of like the celebration pictures? So uh, he shot it on this side and he went around the net and I remember he threw up his gloves. Right. I don't think I would be in any of the pictures because of where the celebration ended up. But uh, I don't know. I also, I don't know if you remember, but someone stole Crosby's gloves off the I've ice heard of that, that yeah. Yeah, I remember. Was it you? Are that. you admitting no, it right now? No, I wish. <laughs> I wish. That would be pretty cool. But, no, that was, a, yeah, that was a big memory. Yeah. I just looked it up here. It uh, officially, well, I should say unofficially because I'm using Wikipedia here. But um, unofficially, the capacity for Rogers Arena in Vancouver is 18,910. So, once again, for a gold medal game between Canada and the United States, I'm sure they found a way to squeeze 20,000 people yeah, in there. Yeah. I'm sure they squeezed an extra so. thousand for or sure. so in there. Um, and a common thread so far in our talk is Sidney Crosby coming up here. Uh, what's it been like being at training camps and stuff like that with Sid, a guy who obviously grew up um, idolizing? You've been there for a big moment, a huge moment in his career, but now to sort of be sharing the same locker room with him at training camps and things like that. What was your first interaction with Sid? Do you remember? I do remember, actually. Um, <laughs> I remember very clearly uh, we were out going out for uh, our rookie rookie skate there before the rookie tournament. He happened to be in town. I think he was going off to NHL Media Day or something. Okay. And he popped in for a quick skate right before he went off to that. I just remember everyone was kind of in shock. Like He didn't really say anything. None of us knew that he's coming out. Okay. And all of a sudden he's popped up and he was going and uh, – Going the drill with us, and he actually took my spot and with, <laughs> with my line. I'll, I'll never forget that one. Uh, if there's was, a guy that's going to take your spot, yeah, oh, hey, it can be go, number 87. Go right ahead. Yeah, <laughs> go right ahead. No, so that was my first memory. And then, of course, yeah, just going through training camp with him, you know, obviously you know, competing with and against him in all the practice and stuff like that. I think he was on my team for the first two years of my training camp there, so that was fun to be on his team for the scrimmages. He wasn't officially the first year. And I got moved over to his team, so that was pretty exciting. Okay. And you were a guy who, uh, undrafted, free agent, um, come to the Penguins rookie tournament, light it up in Buffalo. So they're like, all right, I think uh, we might have something here in this Bell Reef kid. So they sign you to the contract. Then next thing you know, you're at training camp with Sidney Crosby. What kind of a mental turnaround is that for you in one summer to go from being um, unexpectedly undrafted to then – uh, two months later, you're taking drills with Sidney Crosby. Yeah, you know, that was a crazy summer, and I'll never forget it. Um, obviously a huge disappointment to not be drafted. You know, I think obviously everyone wants to be drafted, and, yeah. you know, it's uh, for a lot of kids it's, it feels like the end of the world there when you're not drafted. You know, but I, I think I handled it well. Uh, you know, I, I've always been a guy who likes to play with a chip on his shoulder, and, you know, that's what I did. I was excited. Uh, my agent called me. Pretty pretty soon after the draft there, and just said, "Hey, we got a couple teams, and they want you in Pittsburgh. Once you go to camp, so I was obviously very excited about that, and couldn't say no to that one. And right, so that was a very easy decision. And then, 
yeah, you know, just worked as hard as I could all summer. I worked on getting faster, stronger, and whatnot. And, you know, I've always believed in myself. So, you know, once I got to camp, uh, a lot of emotions, but uh, mostly just excitement and, you know, excited to prove myself. So you don't need to tell me who, but do you remember how many teams reached out to, to you and your agent for development camps or rookie tournaments, things like that? Honestly, no, I, I don't remember. They weren't too clear about that. They just kind of told me, you know, we got some options here, but I think uh, Pittsburgh's your best option. You know, obviously with all the trades that they've made and stuff for, you know, to be a contender over yeah. the years at that time, I don't think they had a first-rounder that year, and they didn't have a first-rounder. I don't think they did either. I don't know if they did the year before. What year before. was your draft year? Uh, 16? 2016 or 2017. I think it was 2016. Once again, we can double-check. Yeah, we have the power. Yeah. But I remember, I mean, it doesn't really mean anything now after the fact. You've obviously made it to the pros now, and like I said, got signed by Pittsburgh. But I remember uh, Jordy Bellreve was a name that was coming up a lot going into that draft. He had a, a great draft year with Lethbridge, and then when 200-plus picks go by, it was like, oh, no one took Jordy Bellreve. Like, <laughs> what What the heck? And then when I saw your name, you were coming to development camp in the rookie tour, and I was like, okay, Pittsburgh probably made the smart move here. And then you – delivered on the ice too and it was like yes they definitely made this smart move um let's see here maybe it was 17 it was probably 17 what did i say 16 i'm an idiot it was 2017 yeah same year yanni draws his draft and whatnot that year so yes be. so 2017 would have been your draft year you had 56 points that year sign with pittsburgh next year you have 92 points 46 goals and 46 assists and everyone's going Jordy Bellreve, we, we, we found ourselves a good one here. And now playing in your first year pro here with the Wilkes-Barre Scranton Penguins, I think uh, reaffirming that. I know it's an adjustment to the pro game. We've talked about that a little bit before, but you've obviously gone through the, the highs and lows, the dramatic swings, like you said, undrafted, signed, training camp with Sidney Crosby, uh, going back to junior, now here in the pros. You haven't uh, put up the same kind of numbers, but you're scoring these clutch goals for Wilkes-Barre Scranton, always coming up in big moments seemingly. Once again, the big swings, the pendulum going back and forth. I'm going to ask you a question now that involves big swings from one side to another, big dramatic differences. Jordy, I need to fess up to something here first, though. All right. People already called me out for this on the podcast last time. You, normally what we do here on the Penguins podcast is we have our previous episode's guest leave a blind question for the next episode's guest. So then it goes down the line. So you will obviously get a question for you, from you for the next episode's guest. We'll do that a little bit later. But our last episode, I got the question and forgot to ask it. We went through the entire episode. I <laughs> dropped the ball, Jordy. So what's going to happen now is I'm going to give you both questions. I'm going to give right. you the one I forgot to ask and a blind question All left right. by our previous episode's guest. You're pulling double duty here. Right. And when I talk about dramatic swings, uh, being on one side of the fence or the other, this is a perfect example of that. Are you ready for me yep. to pop your first question? Yeah, let's hear it. Jordy Bellreve, would you rather play all 60 minutes in a hockey game, you are not allowed to change. You have to play all 60 minutes. Or would you rather sit on the bench and not play at all? <laughs> would right. you rather? So let's let's iron out some details here. In the, the do not play at all scenario, it's not like you're scratched. You are dressed. You are on the bench. You just never touch the ice for the entire game. Regardless of what happens in the course of the game, you just sit on the bench. You do not play. In the other scenario, 
You have to play all 60 minutes. You cannot change. You can't even take a penalty to get a break to go in the box or something like that. You have to play all 60 minutes nonstop, I guess, with intermissions, though. Well, Would you rather? I mean, I've got to go with the full 60. I think being on the ice is too much fun to deny. Ooh, okay. Uh, I mean, obviously, it'd be very tough, very, very tough. And, uh, you know, obviously, at this level, you can't really pace yourself. But, <laughs> I mean, yeah, I mean, I think just being a part of it, being on the ice, I think with the support of other guys, I think uh, I definitely think being on the ice would be a better option. You say being on the ice is too fun to pass up. Love that mentality, but at what minute mark in the game do you think it would stop being fun? <laughs> when you're when you're at a shift now that has reached eight minutes long, or reached fifteen minutes long, or you're fifty-five minutes into the game, there's five minutes left in the third period. At what point are you probably saying this may have been a mistake? You know what I think. I've been given a raw deal here. I think it has to do with how the game's going. Okay, game flow. I mean, Obviously, uh, it'd be pretty taxing on the body to be out there for that long. But I think with momentum swings and whatnot, and different opportunities, I think, you know, if if you can keep your head in the right space, I think it'd be it'd be a better choice to be out there. But I think, oof, I gotta say, bro, yeah, it's tough because, you know, if we're winning or whatnot, you know, it's uh, obviously you want to be out there when we're winning, and vice mm -hmm. versa. We're in the if we're in a tight game, I think the kind of momentum takes you through that one. So just try to stay focused <laughs> and battle through it. But probably, depending on how this, you know, depending on the game was in the third period, probably would be, you know, after 40 minutes of being on. The 40 ice. minutes is when it's just yeah. So so we'll <laughs> say you go through two periods, you come out th for the third, and it's probably. I don't know, like maybe a sh I guess you can't even call it a shift. The whole period's your entire yeah. shift in this scenario. Just early in that third period, I imagine the legs would be this gelatinous form, not even yep. muscle anymore. How many times do you think you would throw up in a 60-minute game? With no breaks. <sighs> and this would not be an indictment on your conditioning. This is just a <laughs> statement of science fact, say how least, the body would react to that. At least once or twice, I'd say you get oh a couple cubes in. It would yeah. be terrible would be terrible but you're not passing up the ice time buddy no would you uh, rather scenario you say hey give me 60 minutes on the ice versus because that would be torturous once again not scratch just dressed and you just have to sit there and watch the game and never yeah. get your number called yeah that would be terrible that would be bad yep so one's a physical battle the other one would just be mental torture yep i think and i think always the mental battle is the hardest part so i think physically obviously there is a mental side to being oh, out yeah. there for that long but i think yeah definitely Nobody wants to be watching the game. You want to be a part of it. So. No, especially if you went through all the trouble of putting your gear on, exactly. and now you're just sitting there and just yeah. keep looking. Me, me next? Me? Yeah. Nope, yeah, nope, actually. not yet. So I, I like that pick. That's a good pick. Hopefully that uh, doesn't have to happen to you. Hopefully we have enough healthy bodies in a <laughs> yeah. given game that yeah. you can come you to the bench so. every now and then and get a break. But that's your answer. That is the first question. And now I'm going to move right into the second question, Jordy. So now back to back here. Blind question left by our previous episode's guest for our next guest, in this case you. Jordy, are you ready for round two? Yep. All right, this one's a little bit more complicated. Would you rather? It's simple. This or that. This one, going to have to dig deep here. Maybe not too deep. You're walking down the street, okay? You pass the corner around the block, and you find a wallet on the ground. You find the wallet. The wallet has $200 in it, but you see the ID. 
You go to that person, you say, hey, I found your wallet. They're like, oh my goodness, I lost this. Thank you. They take all $200 out of the wallet and give it to you. They insist. This is your reward for being a good Samaritan right now. So now you have $200 that you didn't have before. What are you going to spend that $200 on? And you cannot save it. You cannot bank it. You just end up with $200 for being a good Samaritan. How are you going to spend those $200? To be honest, I don't think I'd accept it. Oh, no, that's not an option. The the person will refuse your attempt to to give it back. This person's like, no, this is is yours. Thank you. I mean... I knew you were going to try and pull that, too. You have to take the money. Probably just... uh, I know it's probably a pretty cliche answer, but I'd probably, you know, use it in some way to give back to... You know, good karma, I don't know, maybe whatever. You're Super. looking for double good karma now. I think so. Because returning uh, the wallet was already your good karma, and the person says, yeah. no, I insist, take these $200 as a reward. So how would you give back, you say? I don't know, something to, uh, you know, something to do with uh, homeless people or something like that. You know, give back, get some food for them or something like that. Obviously, maybe get some clothes for them or something during the winter. I don't know, I just, I'm not a big fan of the handouts, so, I mean... I'd be trying to probably trying to get it off my hands and get it off your it, hands. Use it for someone else's well-being. There you go. Yep. How about that? <laughs> a, f- a very chivalrous and charitable answer <laughs> answer from Jordy Bellreve. So you just walk around the corner, you end up with two hundred bucks that you didn't have before, and you say, you know what? I'm gonna help out that guy on that corner yep. over there. I think so. I mean, if you were if you were picking up a bunch of food or something like that for people that you were trying to help, where would you go? Now there's the question. That is a great question. Um, I've done some previous work with soup kitchens and stuff like that, where okay. we, we've given out um, like Subway sandwiches. I think it's just easy to get them in bulk. Yeah. And uh, obviously they last a pretty good amount of time, so you can just hand them out that way. And you know, people are pretty grateful for that kind of stuff. So there you right, go. Food is food at this point. So that's actually a really good idea. Subway subs. Yeah, I think so. So you said you did work with uh, soup kitchens before. Where was that? Was that in Lethbridge? Yep. You were playing junior? Yeah, Lethbridge, yeah. Oh, cool. How'd that all come together? Uh, we do a lot of charity work, or we did a lot of charity work in Lethbridge. Um, I think they're just, uh, you know, the guys who weren't in school. Obviously, we don't. We have a lot of free time on our hands. Um, you know, it's a great opportunity for, you know, people that are struggling and whatnot to give back in that sense. And you know, you can volunteer your time in whatever way you want. Uh, in Lethbridge, you know, like I said, there's a lot of stuff going on, whether it's, you know, going to school visits or, you know, going to those homeless shelters and whatnot. So there's a group of us. Uh, we went a couple times. And, yeah, the team organized it and, and stuff like that. So, yeah, it was pretty special. So, and you were a captain, too, yeah. with with Lethbridge as well. What was your first year as captain? Were you 18 or 19? Yeah, I was – uh, halfway through my 18 year, I think we we traded Giorgio Estefan to Swift Current, and okay. I took the C from him after that one. So that's halfway through, like you said, you're you're 18 years old. Mm-hmm. Is there sort of a, a a weird pressure that that comes with that being in junior hockey because you're still a kid, you're 18 years old, even a veteran guy in the CHL is 20 years old. Mm-hmm. You got to be a leader, but these teams they have a lot of eyes on them. These communities absolutely love. Uh, these teams and things like that. Is there the, an added pressure to get out in the community, do those kind of things, try and get your teammates to go do it too, or is that really just it just kind of falls into place? Yeah, I mean, like I said, we have a lot of free time on our hands, and 
obviously uh, you know it's better to be doing something like that and giving back and you know people really appreciate that in those you know those smaller towns um previously before me there was a guy named tyler wong who's the captain he played uh played with chicago wolves for a couple okay, of years yeah. and you know he he was a you know he, he was a big influence in lethbridge um so you know he did a lot of things he's a fan favorite he actually has a key to the city now he's done he's got a key to the city yeah yeah, he does. So, which is pretty special. He's playing in uh, in the KHL right now with that uh, Kunlun Red Star. Yeah, the Red Star, the, yeah. chi- the China team. Yeah, he's a very special player and obviously a great guy. So I think, you know, seeing him do that and seeing secondhand, you know, from, you know, watching all the kids and how much they appreciate him and you know the fans, how much they appreciate everything he's done, you know, is uh, big shoes to fill. But you know, I wanted to do that as much as I could and. You know, I, like I said, it was special to see how much uh, the town appreciated the things that he did. So I kind of wanted to follow up and do something like that. That's cool. That's cool. When's your key to the city coming? <laughs> I, don't, <laughs> I don't think I deserve that one as much as he did. Uh, but, that's uh, fine. That's fine. <laughs> Once again, go in modest. But let me ask you this. What does a key to the city actually get you? Can he, like, go into any building he wants now? You should get, like, he, a... He actually has a physical key. A physical key. Yeah, a little gold key. Uh-huh. I think he did the whole ceremony with, like, cutting a ribbon, ribbon or something yeah. did all that kind of stuff i'm not exactly sure what it what it does but i mean we, so you we, get to like skip to the front of the line at chipotle or something I'm like sure that? i have could. a key to the city i'm sure he could um the one thing that we did uh, take advantage of was uh we went to the country club to do some golfing okay uh it was after after he'd moved on to pro um he was uh skating with us in training camp we had some free time on our hands uh, we went there to do some golf. It's obviously country clubs are pretty expensive for that kind of thing. And we went there and it was all taken care of. We got all the newest clubs to rent and newest, uh, you know, newest everything. And it was all free. So that was pretty cool. Key to the city. Yeah, that, right was, there. that was a good one. I wonder what other perks come with a key to yeah, the city. I'm sure there's a lot more that we don't know about. I know because we're not in that group. No, nope, we're not. And he probably has to sign a like a non-disclosure agreement or something like that, <laughs> something. whatever secret society in yeah. Lethbridge he now has access to with exactly. the key to the city. Oh, I'll have to look into this. I want yeah. a key to the city now. I know. That would be pretty cool. Because <laughs> you hear about that all the time, people being awarded keys to the city and things like that. But I never actually really thought about what that actually does for you. Yeah. It's the first time I've actually put any thought towards it. People always uh, brought it up with him, well, jokingly. Uh-huh. And then he actually... That actually happened. So that oh, like, oh, yeah, thing. they're going to give you the key to the city. Yeah. And then they did. <laughs> he actually got it. So that was pretty special. That's cool. That's awesome. Um, so playing junior hockey in Lethbridge, but you grew up in North Vancouver, B.C. Talked about that already, a Canucks fan, things like that. But um, talking to you back at development camp this past summer, did a little interview with you, talking to you about uh, your siblings who also played hockey, brothers, sister, things like that. Um, and you said, I believe them. Correct me if I'm wrong here. You guys had a, a rink in your basement or something like that? Yeah, basically kind of like a little inline rink. Um, it was actually an indoor pool that we covered up when we were really young. Oh, okay. Turned it into a shooting rink. Um, so, yeah, it's uh, – I don't know exactly the size. I'm sure you can imagine kind of like an outdoor pool kind of thing, that kind of size. Yeah. Yeah, we had some rollerblades down there and did a lot of that. See, that's so. what I was going to ask you, the logistics of how the heck did you get a, a, a rink in your basement? But that explains it. It was an indoor pool you guys covered up and turned into, yep. like, an inline rink. So were you, like, the coolest family in the neighborhood? Did all the kids want to come over and play in your basement? Yeah, not necessarily the neighborhood. We didn't have a lot of kids in the neighborhood growing up. But definitely a lot of my friends. I was uh, 
you know, a big hot spot for sleepovers. I was going to say, like, yeah. teammates growing up, like, yeah. Mike Squirts, Pee Wees, things mm -hmm. like that, Tim Bits. Everyone wants to come over yeah. and play in the Bell Reef yeah. basement because they the have the, the shooting room. How how intense did the battles get between you and your siblings in those in-house games, if you will? Very, very, very? competitive, yeah. Um, you know, but it was a lot of love, too, you know. Um, we're all working on our shots down there every night. No exaggeration. Uh, every night. Growing up, we were always down there. And we had a hot tub outside as well. So me and my brother would be up there late hours of the night. My sister as well. And, you know, just shooting as many pucks as we could, just messing around and, you know, trying new little tricks and and whatnot. And, yeah, we did uh, – played a lot of horse, played a lot of shooting games like that. Uh-huh. Uh, played some one-on-one -on -one with the rollerblade Don. It was, it was competitive, but uh, it was a lot of fun. So explain to listeners out there that might not be familiar necessarily with, with hockey horse. Because mm -hmm. horse, everyone thinks shooting around on a basketball yeah. hoop, make the shot, and everyone has to mimic it. If you don't, you get a letter. With hockey, it's the same concept, but explain it to people. Yeah, basically, you just rotate shooting pucks. Um, you go back and forth until someone – so basically, you have to call your shot every time. Um, let's say you want to hit the left post, you got to call it before you shoot it. If you miss, go see the other person, then it's their opportunity. But if you hit it, then they have to hit it. Otherwise, they get the letter right. all the way up to you know, HO, all the way up to horse. So it was, uh, it's a fun game. Yeah. Did you guys ever try anything super crazy, like go between the legs, bar down? Yep. We did bang shots off the walls. Bang uh, shots off the wall. Flip shots through the legs, you name it, switching hands, backhands. All different stuff. So. And would you guys pull them off? Every now and then, yeah. And then yeah. the other guy or girl, in the case of your sister, just had to be so rattled when the other guy would pull that off because yeah. it would be like, are you kidding me? Yeah. It was uh, very competitive. <laughs> me and my brother Arguments. especially were, were more competitive in that sense. Just, you know, just being the, being the older brother, he never wanted to lose to the younger brother. Understood. And, of course, all I wanted to do was beat he the did. older brother. So. <laughs> It uh, it was a lot of fun. We had, like I said, a lot of late nights down there, and you know, we, obviously, I didn't grow up in a place with uh, outdoor rinks or anything like that. So that was basically, you know, our outdoor rink for us. Obviously, being indoors, and you know, it was kind of nice being in the comfort of your own home, having the opportunity to do something like that and work on your game every day without having to drive to a rink or, you know, drive to a lacrosse box to shoot pucks. You can, you know, instead of having it in your driveway, we have it underneath on a smooth surface so it was it was awesome that is awesome have you ever had the chance to play in an outdoor game at all uh no never in an outdoor game never i played in the quebec peewee tournament um which is a big i don't know if you know what that is it's uh it's a very big thing mm -hmm. in quebec city we had a really good team and we practiced on outdoor uh, we had some outdoor practices there and actually during that during that tournament we uh uh, one of the special parts about that tournament is it's a two-week tournament. Okay. Um, a very long tournament. Uh, the highlight of all kids' minor hockeys, I'm sure, that uh, that played in that tournament. And for North Shore Winter Club, we actually built it with uh, French families out there. Okay. Which is very cool. And the Billet family, which I'm still in touch with to this day, um, you know, they had an outdoor rink in their backyard, so we took advantage of that. So a lot of outdoor practices, a lot of outdoor pickup uh times like you said with the with the french billet but never actually an organized game no outdoors not, i don't not that i can remember i don't think is so. that something that you'd really want to do like if uh let's say wilkesbury scranton gets the tap on the head by the american league to do an outdoor game or you end up in pittsburgh and there's another winter classic or stadium series game is that something you'd real like really want to do 
almost bucket list, if you will? Is it on the hockey bucket list? Yeah, I'd say so. Um, obviously, it's a big attraction in the NHL when all the teams are playing in those games, the outdoor classics and whatnot. Um, I think it'd be awesome, yeah. Did you watch the uh, the Nashville-Dallas Winter Classic this year? Yes, I did watch that, yeah. Let's put the game aside here. Maybe this is recency bias here. I thought that was one of the best-looking in terms of presentation Winter Classics that they've ever mm-hmm. done. Like, I'm not sure if you can beat the visual from the first one in once Pittsburgh at Buffalo with the snow and all that stuff, but the that game out in Dallas, like, the crowd was going unbelievable. They had, like, fire and fireworks every time the Stars scored. Like, it looked like a legitimate, like, a, a Super Bowl-level event, and it's just a regular season game. I thought the presentation was awesome. Yeah, I agree. It was unbelievable. Great to watch, great hockey. Unis so, were awesome. Yeah, I really liked the uniforms. Yeah. I think that's the coolest part about those outdoor games is the the crazy uniforms. The throwbacks or the, the faux backs. Like, mm-hmm. we never actually – like, in both cases in Dallas and Nashville, like, they never had uniforms like that, but they look old school, mm-hmm. so they're awesome. Automatically awesome. Yeah, agreed. There we go. Here's a little bit something old school. Do you like watching uh, old Western movies, Jordy? Uh Old Westerns, little John Wayne, nothing Clint that, Eastwood. Nothing that I can really remember watching, but you know, if they're on, I like I enjoy watching them for you're, sure. You're familiar with them. Mm-hmm. Okay, well, since we're here in Texas, I decided that uh, we're going to do a little bit something different for the podcast this time. We're going to play a brand new game, a one-off game on the podcast, Jordy Bellreve, and you, you are the first and only person that gets to play. All right. Let's do it. <laughs> you seem tentative. Yeah. Well, here we go. Because we are in Texas, I thought it would be nice to talk about some of these old Western movies, these cowboy classics. Jordy, we are going to play a brand new game on the podcast called Cowboys or Kanye. Uh. 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 <laughs> uh. Kanye. Kanye. All right, Shorty. Here's Kanye, how this is Kanye, going to work. <laughs> I am going to read you a quote. A quote. That's all I'm going to read you. Just a quote. And you have to tell me, is it a quote from an old Western movie? Is it a cowboy? Or is this something that Kanye West said? Oh, God. Cowboys or Kanye? Simple enough, All right. but perhaps hard to discern. Do you understand the concept? Yeah, I can almost guarantee I won't get any of these right. You don't think you'll get any of them right? I, no, I don't think so. All right, well, maybe they'll start off a little bit easy, but I get the feeling they'll get increasingly more difficult as we go along here. But all you have to do is tell me, the person who said this, was it a cowboy or was it Kanye? All right. All right, well, let's... Jump right into it, folks. The first ever game of Cowboys or Kanye. All right. First quote, Jordy. Should I read these all in like a southern drawl? No, absolutely not. Yeah, Sam Elliott voice? Probably not, yeah. <laughs> no, Sa- no Sam Elliott voice today. But all right. Here's the first quote, Jordy. A gun is a tool. No better or no worse than any other tool, an axe, a shovel, or anything. A gun is as good or as bad as the man using it. Now, is that cowboy or is that Kanye? I think that one's cowboy. You think that's cowboy? Why do you think that? I think I think you said something about an axe. I think that I don't think Kanye. 
Okay. So when in the quote, is it no better or no worse than any other tool, axe, shovel, or anything, you think Kanye, that's not going to be the first thing he goes to is an axe. Yeah, I don't think so. So cowboy, yeah. is that your final answer? Yep. Jordy Belrieve, you are correct. Yeah, that is cowboy. <laughs> cowboy, right out of the gate. All right, on to the second quote, though. Let's see if you're as successful now in round two of Cowboys or Kanye. Here's the quote. I'm not going to sell them a dream, but the inspiration is free. I'm not going to sell them a dream, but the inspiration is free. Cowboys or Kanye? Kanye. Kanye. Why do you say Kanye? I don't know. Just uh, sounds lyrical. Sounds lyrical. Well, you are actually correct, Jordy. That is Kanye from the song Gone back on the Late Registration album. So two for two so far after saying you wouldn't get any of them. Let's, let's, move, let's move forward here. Okay. Third quote. You may be talented, but you're not me. Cowboy or Kanye? Kanye. He's uh, pretty full of himself. I was going to say, actually, that's a, it's pretty self-explanatory why that would be Kanye. Yeah. But you don't think a, a Western duelist would say that at high noon? No. Nope. And the, I don't and the think quick so. draw? I don't think so. You're going Kanye again. You may be talented, but you're not me. Jordy, you are right again. That <laughs> is Kanye. Back-to-back Kanye's here, and three correct answers in a row. You might run the gauntlet here, Jordy, but we have a long ways to go before we reach the end of Cowboys or Kanye. But now on to the next one. What makes us want to be so selfish, so prideful? What makes us not want to help the next man? What makes us so worried about a personal legacy? The dinosaurs aren't remembered for much more than their bones. So what do we give? <laughs> Cowboy or Kanye? Cowboy. Cowboy. Why do you say cowboy? <laughs> I don't know. It just sounds like something a cowboy would say. Sounds like something a cowboy would say. The dinosaurs aren't remembered for much more than their bones. So what do we give? Well, this time... We give wrong answers. Jordy, mm. that was Kanye in a Time Magazine interview in 2015. Kanye oh. West said that. All right. All right. To the next one. And on to the next one. So the streak is over, but you can, you know, get back in the win column here with this next quote, Jordy. I doubt it matters where you die, but it matters where you live. I doubt it matters where you die but it matters where you live. Mm. Cowboy again. Cowboy or Kanye, yeah. you say cowboy again. Any particular reason why? No. Nope. nope. Just feeling it. You're just feeling cowboy. Trust that gut, Jordy. That is another cowboy. <laughs> Robert Duvall in Lonesome Dove, the television Western classic, said that. I doubt it matters where you die, but it matters where you live. So there we go. Jordy Bellreve. Still a ways to go here on Cowboys or Kanye. How about this one? See if you can get this one right. You are, like, hunched over right now, mm -hmm. really zoning in. Dialed in. Dialed in. Here we go. I should be locked up for the stupid stuff that I did, but I'm a champion, so I turn tragedy into triumph. I should be locked up for the stupid stuff that I did, but I'm a champion, so I turned tragedy into triumph. Cowboy or Kanye? Kanye. Kanye. I think that's Kanye West again. Mm -hmm. Jordy, you are correct. That is Kanye ah. West 
from through the wire on college dropout. I'm a champion, so I turn tragedy into triumph. Good guess. <laughs> <laughs> well, you, you've got you got to feel for it now. Yeah. You got to feel for it now. You just missed that one. The one was the only one you missed. Which one was that? The the dinosaur bones. Yeah. That's the only one you missed. Other than that, you're hitting them, firing on all cylinders now. On to the next one. And now here's where things are going to oh, – I don't know if they'll get difficult for you, but we're going a little bit off the rails here. Right. You have to tell me, was this a cowboy or was this Kanye? You baked today. Smell fresh bread on you. And on top of that, you smell all over like a woman, rich and warm and soft. <laughs> cowboy or Kanye? That is a tough one. You bake today, smell fresh bread on you, and on top of that, you smell all over like a woman, rich and warm and soft. I'm going to go with Kanye. Again. You're going with Kanye. Why? Just sounds like something he would say. <laughs> sounds insane, doesn't it? Yeah, it does. But it's not Kanye. No. That is a cowboy. <laughs> that is John Wayne in Hondo, and that makes sense that that's a John Wayne quote. Also kind of wacky. Yeah, a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> All right, on to the next one here, Jordy. Next quote on Cowboys or Kanye. We're nearing the finish line here. Okay, good luck on this one, buddy. I don't have fangs. I'm a porcupine. I'm a blowfish. Cowboy or Kanye? Kanye. Why? Same reason. Same, because it sounds like something Kanye would it's say. A little outrageous. I don't have fangs. I'm a porcupine. I'm a blowfish. Yeah. That is Kanye. <coughs> GQ magazine in 2014, Kanye West declared himself a porcupine and a blowfish. Well, what a guy. Doesn't surprise me. Doesn't surprise you at no. all that, he, that a human being would refer to himself as a porcupine and a blowfish? I mean... Sounds uh, a little bit outrageous, but yeah, I had a good feeling it was he. Because it is outrageous. That's yeah. why you lean Kanye, and you are correct. All right, on to the next one, Jordy. Here's the quote. Now, I always liked you, but you never know when to shut up. Even bad men love their mamas. Cowboy or Kanye? Can you repeat that one? I will. Now, I always liked you, but you never know when to shut up. Even bad men love their mamas. Cowboy. Cowboy. Why cowboy? I don't know. I just, uh, I don't know. Because previously you were leaning Kanye because they sounded outrageous. This is not necessarily outrageous. So you're going back to cowboy. Yeah, I'm go back to cowboy on this one. Back to cowboy on this one. Even bad men love their mamas. Yep. And you are correct. Cowboy! Right there, Jordy Bellreve. That was Russell Crowe in the remake of 310 to Yuma. Came out uh, maybe 20 years ago at this point. But even bad men love their mamas. I'm sure Kanye West would agree, but that is yeah. not his quote. Here we go. Only two more left, Jordy. All right. Two more left. Here we go. Cowboy or Kanye? Having money isn't everything. Not having it is. Cowboy or Kanye? Having money isn't everything. Not having it is. Kanye. Kanye. You going to stick with Kanye? Yep. Yeah, your, your reflex was right on top of that one. And your reflex is correct. That is another Kanye <laughs> quote from Good Life. 
There we go from graduation. So one more left, Jordy. You've, right. you've done very well here on Cowboys or Kanye, but with one last one to go, can you finish on top of the mountain? Let's hear it. <laughs> Let's, hear Let's hear it. it. Let's hear it. <laughs> here we go. I can attack a man's weakness and beat him, or I can attack a man's strengths and break him. Cowboy. Cowboy or Kanye? You say cowboy. What makes you think that? I don't know. It's just the way the way that Kanye says certain things. Like I'm a porcupine, I'm a yeah, bullfish. I just feel like this one sounds a little bit more correct. This, okay. A little bit more proper. Yeah, I think this is a cowboy. Well, Jordy, I sort of cheated on this one. Did you? And even though I cheated, you are still correct. That is. Cowboy. There we go. That is actually Michael Irvin, former Dallas Cowboys wide receiver. Oh, but wow. Cowboy in my book, and you are correct. And that, ladies and gentlemen, is Cowboys or Kanye. The first and probably last time we will ever play <laughs> Cowboys or Kanye, our Texas-inspired game here on the Penguins podcast. Um, hope you were able to enjoy playing along at home if you chose to. I don't know. Maybe we'll get a board game spinoff of that someday. That would be something special, wouldn't it be? Play with the family. Gather yeah. around gather yeah, around the table and play Cowboys or Kanye. I like it. Well done, Jordy. Thank you. Very well done. Did better than I thought I would for sure. Yeah, considering you thought you were going to go over. Yeah. I think you only missed two. I think so, yeah. Yeah. I think you're right. Good stuff. Yeah. From Jordy Bellry. Not bad. Well, after those brain busters, I'm going to let you off the hook here. But before we conclude this episode of the Penguins podcast, we have one more thing that we have to do, Jordy. The last thing that we always do here on the Penguins podcast. This is a little something that we call Pens Picks. Pens Picks. Jordy, it is at this time of every podcast that I like to ask my guest for a recommendation to give the fans, something that you've been really into lately. It can be something that we already talked about on the podcast. Uh, it doesn't have to necessarily be something we already discussed. Seriously, anything in the world that you want to recommend to the fans, you can throw it out there now. What is your pen's pick? Wow, anything I recommend. Uh, yeah, anything. That is a great question. Always a big teaser. Oh, caught me off guard there. <laughs> Anything in the world I would recommend to the fans? Yes. What is your pen's uh, pick, Jordy Bellreef? I think my biggest recommendation is uh, you know, when you're with your friends or family, put your phone away. Put the phone away. Uh, enjoy your time. Uh, in junior, we had a guy that I played with named Tate Olson, who was a big uh, – you know, he he didn't like uh, the phones at all, so he'd he'd collect all our phones. Really? <laughs> or, or we'd always jokingly, whenever the guys were out having dinner or whatnot, we'd throw one of the guys would throw their phone in the middle of the table, and then would kind of be a little uh, domino effect. Someone else would throw have, theirs have in the middle, in. and then we'd have a big pile of phones in the middle, just enjoy our time. And you know, often these days you see everyone just hunched over looking at their phone, you know, not really, you know dialed into the conversations of the real world and you know that's always been something my my parents have preached obviously i was kind of grew up in that that era of when the cell phones started coming yep. out and started being big and you know early on when i had one you know i think i had an ipod touch or something like that that was the first thing that i you know you get kind of hooked on those things pretty easily oh, so yeah. you know my parents were always preaching you know put that away and 
you know, especially when, uh, you know, when my grandparents were around and whatnot, uh, they never wanted me to have the phone out. And obviously being a young kid, obviously you just want to be on your phone. But I think as you grow older, you know, your appreciation for, you know, you know spending time with family and friends becomes so much greater. And, you know, I'm thankful for those lessons they taught me. And I think that's definitely something I would recommend. Another great pens pick, ladies and gentlemen. Put the phone away. Were there some guys that would have to fight tooth and nail to hang on to their phone whenever they were doing, uh, I don't know, get-togethers with Tate Olson or those team dinners or things like that? Or would the peer pressure get to them when everyone else started throwing their phones and they felt like they had to do it too? I think the younger guys. Uh, so I played with Tate when I was 18. Okay. So I kind of was, you know, not older, but in, in that sense, you know, being old, kind of an older guy yeah. in the Western League. Like I said, uh, you once you get older, you appreciate it more. And younger guys are just, you know, like to be on their phones a lot. And you know, even now, you see that everyone, everyone's with their phone. So I think, yeah, I think once uh, you got used to it, started to appreciate it more. I think it was definitely a lot easier for guys to throw the phone in. It's great advice. It really is. I know I'm guilty uh, of doing that every now and then, but yep. I do, I do try uh, to just, you know. Put it in my pocket. Sometimes I'll even go places and I'll intentionally like leave my phone behind, mm -hmm. just because like I I don't even want to even have the temptation of looking exactly. at it. And it's always super fulfilling. Plus, it's better for your neck. Yeah. Bad for your neck to just keep yep. staring down yep. at your phone. Bad for your posture as well. Terrible. Avoid text neck, ladies and gentlemen, and listen to Jordy Bell Reeves' advice here on Pens Picks. Really quickly, my Pens Pick for this episode is going to be dried fruit. I ate a ton of dried fruit on this road trip already. Found a Target in Cedar Park that was right by our hotel. Picked up some dried pineapple, dried mango, dried banana, and I've been crushing it, mm -hmm. annihilating it. It's something I've had before in passing, and I am actively just destroying yeah. dried fruit on this trip. You ever try the dried banana with like almond butter or anything like that? Not with almond butter, no. Very good. Very good choice as well. A secondary pens pick for you. I like it. I will have to give that a try, but my pens pick is dried fruit, particularly of the tropical variety. Love the dried pineapple, love the dried mango, and the dried banana as well. Never tried the pineapple, but... Do it. Yeah, it's good. It's, it's, do you like pineapple in general? Yeah, I do. Then you'll like dried pineapple. That's a good choice. I'm there you go. have to try that. And that concludes Penn's Picks, and that concludes this episode of the Wilkesbury Scranton Penguins podcast. Jordy, once again, can't thank you enough for taking time out of this road trip to stop by and talk to me here in Texas. Really appreciate it, buddy. You've been kicking butt lately for the Penguins. Keep it up the rest of the season. I know everybody's super excited to see you find this success lately. Thank you. Appreciate it. And we will be back in two more weeks. We have the All-Star break, obviously, out in Ontario, California. And after that, a couple more home games for the Wilkes-Barre Scranton Penguins. The post-game concert series, that starts on Friday and Saturday. Proud Monkey playing after the game on Friday. And No Quarter playing after the game on Saturday. Your ticket to the game gets you to the concert. You don't have to buy two completely different tickets. It's a great deal. And then once again, new podcast in two weeks. If you like what you heard, make sure you rate us, like us, give us the old five stars. It is always much appreciated. You can find all the old episodes of the Penguins podcast on the Penguins SoundCloud page or on iTunes just by typing in WBS Penguins. Once again, one more final thank you to Jordy Bellreef and thank you to all of you for listening out there. We'll see you next time here on the Wilkesbury Scranton Penguins Podcast. <laughs>